Top five movies. Movies. Top five. Top five movies. Top five. Top five movies. Movies. Top top five. Top 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 five movies. Top five movies. Hey everybody, welcome to Burke Reviews Top Five Movies. I'm Jonathan Burke, and with me this week, as always, Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And Michael Sanchez. Hi there. And this week on Top Five Movies, uh. We have decided to look at our favorite quote-unquote cult films, um, and just to kind of set the stage, the definition we were working from starts with cult films are known for their dedicated, passionate fan base, an elaborate subculture that engages in repeated viewings, quoting dialogue, and audience participation. I went kind of also movies that found their fan base after their yes. release. Um, so like, they didn't have a big box office return, or at least to my understanding they didn't and they found their uh, their audience after the fact like straight to dvd or something like that um there's obviously this is a huge range of possibility so i'm expecting our list tonight to be quite uh different um especially i found uh a tendency to lean towards comedies with my cult movies how about you guys don't think so no see ah good nope yeah i, nope. Pl- I played into my sensibility and uh from a large part of my film viewing background comedies were kind of where i fell in um especially with rewatching. i think i think you're fishing to see and now you're gonna adjust your count oh <laughs> maybe maybe there seems uh there seems to be a little bit of an echo coming in from i think mike but i'm not sure oh no oh oh well you're that's now, weird i don't know it's like it's very faint i don't know if it's in my headphone or if it's actually coming through oh well we'll, we'll work it out um Anyways, uh, so we're going to be looking at our top five cult films. Um, there's no particular reason for this list. A lot of times I will quote uh, or cite a, a recent release or something. Uh, you can't really do that with a cult film. Um, I, I guess if a film had recently became cult status, um, you know, but the, the, the one that I would think is the most recently acknowledged film, I don't want to say out loud in case it's on one of your lists, um, but I don't think that would, that would be uh, my inspiration. Instead, it's just a topic that I've had kind of sitting. Um, I have a pool of potential topics, and this has been one that's been sitting for a while. And uh, I didn't really have anything to, uh, to, th- to think about for this week. Um, I guess I could have gone with something related to us or something related to uh, Dumbo. But we just did Tim Burton. So, um, and Pet Cemetery and Shazam come out next week. Uh, okay, ooh. I'm super <laughs> stoked for Pet Cemetery, and mm. I'm excited. And I've never read the book. I feel like I should have mm. made time to read the book. But I recently rewatched the first one, and it's it's a little cheesy, guys. Um, so I feel like they can, you know. But I've been loving the poster. Um, the p- poster that's up in my local theater is so awesome for Pet the Cemetery. Silhouettes. Is it the yes. Yeah, yeah. That and I think cool. like the like close up, it's like the gravestones, and then yeah, I just thought it was rad. Yeah, I am. Um, Big Tuna saw Pet Cemetery at um, South by Southwest and uh, did not like it. However, um, other critics that I I respect uh, did like it. So I'm I'm going in kind of with my <laughs> own um, bias. Uh, I'm not a Jason Clark fan. And he's the lead, so I'm not super sold on that. And then 
I do like John Lithgow, so that has me kind of leaning, like maybe. But um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sold on it. And I also think the blast trailer shows way too much. Um, they're so bad about that. They are. Yeah, I mean the story's been around for a while. So yeah, it's... but they changed a major part of the story for yes, the new one. Yes, they did. They did do that, which and... kind of surprised me. But it didn't get to surprise you because it's in the freaking trailer, and that's what makes me mad. Like you go out of your way to alter such an, a known story. Then I want to. I want to experience. I, but that. I want to. I want to know why. Why change that? Because it yeah. was pretty horrifying as it was. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't make it more horrifying that it's the change. And I'm kind of dodging around it because no. Just in it's case, pretty yeah. obvious. Yeah, it's pretty obvious from the trailer. Anybody that knows that work. Oh, um, the most recent trailer. It's not even like it is blatantly. You know, a hundred percent of the fact. Yeah, because it says hug your. Yeah. 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 It, it, there's no like maybe like is the first trailer it was hinted at but it wasn't like it wasn't in the trailer now it's a hundred percent in the trailer they tell you that the the story change but and i hate to say it but i guess you're you i feel badly saying this but you're right it looks like jason clark is is the weakest link here i i, I knew i recognized his face and now i'm thinking ooh, terminator genesis and uh, Winchester and oh, yeah. but he's well. I mean, he he's in Mudbound, which I I like Mudbound. Oh, okay. I, I don't think he was very good in it. Um, he's in uh, the second Zero. Planet of the Apes movies, Dawn of oh. the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. Um, mm. I think he's the weakest link in that one too. And um, I don't I, like people like him. I don't. Um, I I just he is so vanilla. Um, he was in that very bad. Uh, um, Michael M- Matthew McConaughey and Hathaway movie uh, Serenity from earlier this year. Um, like I mean, and again, a lot of actors are in bad movies, and it doesn't necessarily correlate to the the actor. And sometimes the movie looks better on paper. Like there's a, a million possibilities that could g- factor into that. I just feel like he's not he's not an interesting leading man, and here he is again leading a movie. And I'm just like, all right, I guess. Um, and that's, he, that's I mean, preference. He was in Texas Killing Fields, which I liked, but I don't know that he was in it as a lead. But the other part is Dr. Oh, his name escapes me. He is kind of a vanilla doctor. There's nothing remarkable. You know, uh, just a family creed. Dr. Creed? I maybe. can't remember the name. Uh, you know what? I can swipe over because I've already gone way past where he's at. Uh, you know, and I wouldn't say there's anything remarkable about him. He's put into these this circumstance, yeah, Lewis Creed, Lewis Creed, Lewis Creed, yeah, um, because of what happens, um, that's the same thing, as, as, like I felt when I first saw it, and I guess that was the intention that Stephen King, you know, he's just an every guy. Yeah, which, I mean, so maybe it'll work, um, again, I, I am, Pet Cemetery's coming out, Shazam I'm very excited for, um, the buzz around it has been really positive, all the critics who have already seen it, have been pretty much raving about it um and zachary 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 levi has been excellent on social media so shazam's the film that i'm more excited about but nonetheless that's not what we're here for we are here for our favorite cult movies and i do feel like this is i think our picks could maybe be debated um we might end up getting mad at each other saying that's not a cult film i don't oh god i don't know it's gonna happen um, I'm really nervous. <laughs> no, I'm actually I'm nervous. That's why I'm saying it. Because um, I this is, um, I feel like this. Especially I did do what I tend to do is I I stayed kind of more modern. Um, 
with my picks, and I tried to also. Uh, Mike and I spoke not about our list, but about kind of our process, and I think we both decided to try to leave our our frequent movies off of our list this time. Um, so, like movies that I think I would usually speak about that are definitely eligible as cult films. Um, I'm not are not in my top five because I've spoke about them so many times, and I feel like I went I tried to give some other movies the opportunity to be discussed, um, but. In fact, I'm looking at mine now. All but one of mine is a, is definitively a comedy. Like all of all other four are comedies, and then I would argue that the 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 other one could be listed as like a type of comedy. So, totally went cult comedies for myself. But nonetheless, um, this week Corey's going to go first. Michael goes second. I will uh, round it off at the end. Um, at the end of the episode, we will usually give some honorable mentions movies that we didn't uh, include on our list, but we feel the need to share. Um, if you've never listened to the show before. We make our list in secret, and we get together here to talk about them and uh, have a good time because we like talking about movies and sharing movies, and uh, we like to have the freedom to say what we want. So, Corey? Guys, from here on out, we're going to talk about these movies, maybe in great detail. You can go to BerkReviews.com and check out our list beforehand. Otherwise, you've been warned. And then, um, Mike, this is going to be particularly a hard episode. Mike often... Uh, kind of chooses, I would almost argue, cult movies all the time. So, like, yeah. <laughs> uh, there are at least cult <laughs> movies for Mike. The cult of Mike um, exists. And a lot of times, we, Corey and I will not have seen his films. So we got in the habit of kind of taking uh, just a friendly wager of um, how many of Mike's movies we've seen. And I think maybe starting this summer, we might make that wager a little more valuable. But for the moment, it's just friendly. There's no, there's no real consequence, but... Uh, I think I jumped Ooh. ahead of you last week, Corey, and went first. Um, I Ooh, can't people remember. lose fingers or something? Yes, or... fingers are okay. where I was um, <laughs> oh. Then you better start betting better. <laughs> yes, we should bet much better. Um, Corey, how many of Mike's movies on his cult <clears throat> list do you think you've seen? I don't feel good about this one at all. Um, I'm going to go one. Yeah, and I'm going to go two. I figured that was going to happen, but nonetheless... Um, <laughs> We're so, gonna have to remove those two numbers from your. Oh, so we've only got hey, three through five. I, I just felt to the death. I'm pretty sure with the Tim Burton films, I went all in because I had seen almost every Burton film. So, uh, I never go all in. Yeah, I, I will if I feel confident, and uh, I've seen all of Burton's films except Big Eyes and Dark Shadows because I did see Dumbo this week. But um, if you if you missed our Tim Burton list from last uh, last episode, go back and listen to that one because I think that was a pretty fun episode. Um, I really like talking about Tim Burton and his oddities. Um, but, all right, we're here with these cult movies. Obviously, our interpretations of these are going to be up for wide berth of what they could be. So, Corey, what is your number five cult film? Okay. So, the last two years at Christmas, I um, have started going to see this. It's debatable if it's a Christmas movie or not, but oh. I had to go with Die Hard. And I don't really watch a lot of action movies you know i watched them a lot when i was a kid because my dad really liked them and he loved bruce willis and i don't feel like this is the best movie ever but there's something about being in a huge crowd of people that are just all in that make it so much fun like if they keep playing it every year i'll go see it every year um hmm. what so uh, I'm just curious about the numbers, so we're not using box office. As... Not, not exclusively, no. Um, okay. Although I, I was thinking that too, and although it's really hard to tell 
what its <laughs> lifetime gross is because of what Corey just said. They they keep replaying it, and that adds to their box office dollars. So I don't know for sure what what its box. But oh, okay. So yeah, no, I have no idea. Box Office Mojo doesn't give a good breakdown of when the made the money that it's made. So and um, for this, I have a couple that are that went by the definition that you put yeah. in the thing where people are yelling and quoting and yeah. being crazy during this um, screening. And so I would, I would argue that none of mine meet that criteria. Um, mm-hmm. I don't believe it. Well, people are quoting it, but they're not quoting it in rescreenings. It's not that type yeah. of cult movie. Um, and so I, I, I think there's a lot of openness here, Mike. Uh, so don't be too harsh on her. Um, and I do think Die Hard's taken on, a different status with the modern audience. I think if we were looking at this when it came out, it was a big action blockbuster for sure. It made Bruce Willis an action star. But I think over the last 10 years, it's become a Christmas cult movie um, with people getting in heated debates of whether or not this is a Christmas movie. So I, I, I see where she's coming from. And it definitely for her, yes. her experience of it, though, has been nothing but a cult movie because she didn't like grow up with this film. Hmm. I've been a diehard fan since I was in like a, a little kid because of Bruce Willis. If you haven't heard, I like Hudson Hawk and um, inherently <laughs> that's more of a cult film than, but I mean, I'm seeing this on lists. I mean, the Salvo the oh. museum had a cult classics 2018 mm-hmm. with diehard included on it. I, I, I guess because I remember I very, very distinctly, I don't remember the first one seeing on the big screen, but diehard too. We, 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 a lot of us, I mean, that was, I mm, that was a huge one. So maybe, yeah, yeah. I guess, I guess. I, well, that's what I'm saying for sure. Definitely a, uh, definitely a Christmas. This this one is one of my Christmas ones. It is the Christmas one, other than a Christmas story. Oh, I have so many Christmas movies. I am such a Christmas nerd. Uh, yeah, you <laughs> are. We've learned <laughs> about these two. They they don't they're they're bah humbugs when it comes to Christmas movies. <laughs> I, I go see this one. Yeah, I am I am Buddy the Elf when it comes to Christmas movies. I'm like Santa. Um. <laughs> So, yeah, this is a really cool pick because, again, this is a movie I think most listeners will know this one um, and probably have seen this one. But, again, I do think it's taken on a a second, like a resurgence almost uh, over – I feel like it's been about 10 years when it's been like this heated internet sensation of a Christmas film. Um, I mean, there's a Christmas coloring book. There's a Christmas, uh, like, kids book of Die Hard now. I've seen the sweaters. Yeah. Oh, there's so many different sweaters and paraphernalia uh, with this in, in regards to it. And um, I think Bruce Willis even tried to come out and say it's not a Christmas film or something like that. Somebody in, attached to the film did that. Which I is think like, that it was him. Yeah, well, considering his current <laughs> attitude towards Hollywood, what a, what a surprise. But, um it's an interesting pick because it is like I'm I'm on I totally saw where Mike was coming from because this is for me I've always known of this movie but that's even one of the hard parts about this is sometimes you're a part of the cult and you didn't realize it you know like um there are movies that I thought were way more successful because of my like friendship level like my friend group we all love this one particular in fact I'll talk about some soon um where we quoted it internally and so when I got to college I thought everybody knew that movie and it was only my friend group you know what i mean so things like that uh also fall into this cult category and that's what's so i think that's what's so interesting about this these are pockets of fan culture um in a very specific area that makes it uh so vital so yeah die hard um 
I love the movie. I, I have not become a regular watcher of it at Christmas, though, oddly enough, as much as I enjoy it. Um, I, I mean, I'll watch it if it's on, but I've, I have not seen it in the theater. Oh, it's so fun. Yeah, I don't... Yeah, man. I don't know if we have a theater doing it uh, regularly, at least, um, like close to us. And that's, you know, I wish my local theater would. This And the local theater was doing It's a Wonderful Life, which is one of my favorite Christmas movies. The la- But last year they didn't, so I, I guess that ended abruptly. Oh. Yeah, so I was disappointed because I was planning on hitting it up, but nope. Um, all right. Mike, you got anything to add to Die Hard before we uh, move to you? I it- this that's why this category is so wide open it's just mm-hmm. cult is i he guess subjective talk about it and i yeah. did that on purpose yeah no and i agree completely though this is going to be one why i'm so apprehensive about your list mike because i'm like well god what what's a cult movie Could be to anything because like, <laughs> your movies already feel so obscure and um Maybe that's the difference. Maybe these won't be as obscure because they are cult. More people know about them. So let's see what happens. Mike, what's your number five? <laughs> oh, you're so wrong. Okay. If you've heard, you might have heard maybe me talking about one or two of these, but I don't know that we've talked about this one. Uh, this first one is one of those that you just happen to watch on an off time uh, accidentally. You're not actively seeking it out. I know I wasn't. And then you end up on this strange white rabbit trail except without the drink me bottle to you know sate your thirst and shrink you down but um the 80s were i would say a weird time and this it's an 80s movie that's set near the end of the 60s Uh, it's Mm. called altered states and it stars william hurt and blair brown and i very distinctly remember blair brown she was in, I guess you could call it a dramedy, but it did have, it was more like, it didn't last but maybe one or two seasons, if that. On NBC, it was called The Days and Nights of Molly Dodd. <laughs> and I misspelled that. I'm, I actually typed Molly Dude on on my list, on my notes here. Uh, but th- because I knew of her, I really liked her in that series, it did not prep me for this trip of hallucinatory drugs. Uh, wow. isolation chambers and eventually genetic regression because that's what it is uh, William Hurt is a doctor in the 60s that is is pushing boundaries I think 80s were big on the streamscape um, was one that was uh, instead of going the isolation tank way there was people actually going into other people's dreams way way before um, Christopher Nolan's inception mm. they were actually going into that and it wasn't nearly as well done and there's one other one that was it was it was you know how that hollywood syndrome where movies copy one another and i cannot remember the name of the other one i don't think anyone watched either of those so calling it a long strange trip would be an understatement um i know watching stranger things with that 11 kind of ultra salinated pool slash tank that they put her in was very reminiscent to this film to me and I, I wonder if maybe they kind of that's their way of nodding to it nodding at it this was a big thing to put people into that thing uh, it was directed by ken russell if you don't know that name there's a couple of films i can't even kind of say by title uh but the one which i figure i mentioned before layer of the white worm it was almost on this list but again i think it's got the capaldi factor and hugh grant factor and i thought those people would have kind of made it it is that one is definitely a cult film 
I think altered states because not a whole lot of people. I, I just want people to get tripped out because it was really strange to me. So just to like you know to question, do you feel like there is a a true cult following of like people who like altered states is the movie um, where they I, quote it and I, cite it? I I think it's because it's one of those that it's kind of like that subculture where people would at the time and maybe it was just me were like uh, kind of seeking out just like what the doctor was doing and it was I don't know if it was something that was debunked or not with the isolation tank stuff and so that's why I went cult with this one and kind of followed that route now I don't know not so much not so much people in closed circles trying you know sitting and worshipping it as much as maybe I mean, I hope that's uh, listeners. We don't mean an actual cult. Like no one's trying to convince people to. Uh, you yes, know, we are. Die for oh, Corey. Is. Oh, <laughs> Lord. Okay, she's but, just taking guns yeah, to her back. Yeah, with um, only one bullet. So I don't die. know why I find reading about cults so interesting. Whoa, just a little tidbit about me. A turn. Um, <laughs> yes. so, we really don't, guys. I find them you, interesting, but that's not what I, we mean here. I heard her pouring out Kool-Aid, so yeah, she's don't be drink okay. the Kool-Aid. Oh, no. Although that is a good analogy here. This is like we're talking about movies that made you drink the Kool-Aid. So, um, Oof. like I don't know how you guys do this uh, for this, especially. I went um, by decades, so I like searched uh, cult oh. movies of the '80s, cult movies of the '90s, cult movies of the 2000s, and then, interestingly. Um, there, it's too soon to really put movies from like 2011 to now or 2010 to now as a cult movie because it hasn't officially had the time yet. Um, but th- you can kind of see like where those are, which films are kind of leaning in that direction. Films that didn't do well at the box office that have since found found their footing or found their audience. Um, and uh, some of my favorite films qualify in that definition. Um, but I've never got to be a part of any of those big like rescreening things, and that's as far as like it being where there's you know retro screenings and people come and cosplay. With the exception of Star Wars, which is interesting because I I was thinking about that when writing. Would all like Marvel and Star Wars films be considered cult films? Granted, they all made a lot of money up front, but talk about crowd participation by comparison, right? Like way more I, people. I also think about it like it transcends who you think would be the fan base. Mm. Yeah, which, I mean, God, Star Wars has got to be, like, the biggest cult ever, right? Because when it started its fan base in the 80s, people were, like, I know it started in the 70s, but I'm saying, like, to me, the fan base was solidified in the 80s after Empire and Jedi, and those people were deemed nerds and made fun of by a certain group, and now everybody is a Star Wars fan, essentially. I mean, yes, there are people who don't like Star Wars, but the the diverse the diversity of the audience is much more vast than it was when the, the the original trilogy first came out so obviously i'm not it's not on my list don't don't get don't think i'm going there but um every movie on my list was on a list somewhere right that's that's what kind of i'm setting up here um and these i have a lot uh i went I ended up picking ones that I felt were um, again. I didn't want to talk about the same old movies, but I wanted to talk about ones that I know personally have like affected my my mannerisms or my um, the way I, like I will quote these movies even though no one else knows what I'm quoting. Um, and that's a way of like finding other fans because someone will recognize you. Know, there will be 30 people. I say it. One of them laughs. And they, they look at me like, I've seen that movie and everyone else is clueless. That to me is kind of where I came at this with my cult movies. So my first one is not that old. It's from 2006. 
Um, and it stars some some pretty big names, but a lot of them were not big names then, or they are more or less. Um, I just realized who one of the actresses was, and I'm completely stunned. Um, or they were regulars yeah. in another bigger comedian's movies, but are not big by themselves traditionally. But this is their movie, and it's Grandma's Boy from uh, again 2006, mm -hmm. um, directed by Nicholas. Uh, I'm guessing it's Goosen. Um, and it stars, and this is the big name I didn't realize was in it, uh, Linda Cardin Cardellini, who is uh, just recently in Green Book, um, the uh, best picture winning Green Book. Um, and from Freaks and Geeks, guys. Yes. Um, stars, though, the real star is Alan Covert, who is a regular in the Sandler films, but this was his like only leading role. Uh, Peter Dante, who's also in a lot of the Sandler films. Shirley Knight, Joel David Moore... Um, Kevin Nealon has a, a small part, but very funny. Doris Roberts, Shirley Jones, Nick Schwartzen, young Jonah Hill, like super, almost unrecognizable Jonah Hill. Um, Kelvin Yu, and I think that's where I can stop. I feel like that's where the, the bulk of the acting uh, ends. Um, I saw this very late. Like, I saw this on DVD, like, years after it came out. <laughs> and it's got so many quotable lines in it that I, I've watched it multiple times. And I was actually talking uh, with my friend uh, and editor of Burke Reviews, David. Um, he's been always a part of my friend group going back to, like, middle school. So he's always – we've always had, like, a group of people who like a lot of the same nerdy stuff, and that's what formed our friendship. And when I brought up – I was, like, kind of talking to him about my list and brought up Grandma's Boy, and he lost. He's like, I didn't know you like Grandma's Boy. And we just started quoting the movie, like, back and forth while we were playing Call of Duty. And – that to me like cemented this place on my list because I, I don't I wouldn't even say I've seen this more than five times and yet so much of it just stuck in my brain. There's so many pop cultural references, there are so many like key unique moments in this movie that I've never forgotten it. And it's it's got that kind of cult following because in the theater it only made like nine million. Um oh, but it's done that. so well afterwards because it is it is so embedded in video game and nerd culture that anybody who's into that stuff has seen this movie it's, again too um this is what after sandler's film started kind of losing their luster uh you have uh, nick schwartzen before he's really blowing up as a comedian so he's like known but he's not super known and uh it's just really funny like there's so many stupid it's a pot comedy which i've talked about many of the pot comedies i'm a fan of on this show uh, and there's it deals a lot with pot, so it's it's stupid, it's over the top, but man, it's an enjoyable film, um, especially again for gamer nerds, because uh, uh, the guy the guys are game testers, like so they generally um, test video games out and make sure that they're running properly, um, and then what the kind of question is, well, what if one of them decided to make their own game, and you know how does that work from there, especially if he's a known kind of slacker, so it's it's really entertaining, super funny. If you've never seen it, I recommend it. Um, it's in my top five cult movies. Uh, hopefully that qualifies. It was on someone else's list again, uh, as my pedigree here wasn't just my own decisions, but it was my decision to put it in my top five. So I've never watched it. I couldn't speak to it at all. Yeah, I, wa I watched it one time and it wasn't, I don't know. I watched it because of Nick Swartzen. I could see you not getting into it, but Nick Schwartz, the my, like one of my favorite lines in the movie is he's challenged. There's these guys in the office who challenge them to uh, games all the time, and he's like the best. And so the guy thinks he's finally stumped him, and he brought in uh, Dance Dance Revolution, and he's like, "Oh God, I challenge you to this." And so uh, he's expecting, and Schwartz is kind of like, "Oh, this looks so stupid." <clears throat> and when it's his turn, he like destroys it. He's just crushing it. And at the end, it's like he gets the high score on the uh, the arcade machine. And he looks at the guy, high score, what does that mean? Did I break it? And it's just 
the most natural, overconfident like statement. It's so funny. Um, you got Mike. I think you would enjoy it. Uh, it is very hard R though. Lots of swearing, a little bit of nudity. Um, but uh, the connection too, because uh, the guy, yeah. the main character, um, Alex, who's played by Alan Covert, has to move in with his grandma and her two roommates. So there's a little bit of Golden Girls in here. Um, it's like, what if Golden Girls wasn't on basic TV? You know, like what if it was on like ha- HBO? They have Rue McClanahan, B. Arthur, Estelle Getty, and well, instead you have um, you have Doris Roberts, Shirley Jones, and uh, Shirley Knight. Um, and Doris oh, Roberts, okay. you know for sure. Uh, you know, oh, okay. She's on okay. the Everybody Loves Raymond Mom, and um, so it's it's the Silver Girls or the Bronze Girls, not the Golden ones. It's two thousand six, man. <laughs> Oh it's a, it's the acquaintances. I, I see friends. what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the old lady acquaintances, is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, all right, that's my number five. Let's. Uh, man, nobody saw it. See that only. I have my seen point. it. Well, but okay. only one time, like a long time ago. You're I have right. it on sorry, DVD. Ooh, Did you hear that? He called you. He called you a nobody. Did you hear that? I know. <laughs> I'm kidding. All right, let's go to Corey's number four. <laughs> Okay, so my number four is Cool as Ice, starring Vanilla Ice. I'm oh just kidding. God. I've never seen that movie. I've never oh, seen that movie. Dude. I'm totally I was kidding. Typing it into IMDb, Corey. Not cool. <laughs> yes. You almost would I was be like, better off. There's no way. Can I, we please talk about something? What did I just go see recently? And I think it's a trailer or something, because I also went to see Dumbo. And... They're like, oh, it's that stupid Angry Birds commercial uh, trailer. The first one's and I'm funny. Like, well, but, but hold on. So the song comes on, and I'm like, oh my god, they're playing Under Pressure. And then, no, no it's Vanilla no. Ice. And I'm like, and he swears so hard that he did not steal that song, which we all know. But here I am sitting in the theater, and I'm like, oh my god, they're playing this song in a kid's trailer? No. Um, so, actually, I think I'm going to get a lot of crap about this one because it made a lot of money. But... Oh. I think that this one is, like I said, it transcends who you think would be the fan base. And here we are five million years later. Not really. But we're still quoting this movie. And I love it a lot. And I think it's hilarious. And I probably should watch it more often. But I had to go with Mean Girls. Ah. Because I'm not kidding. I still see people on Wednesdays we wear pink. Oh, or yeah. quoting Damien, or quoting Regina George, and it makes me sad because I feel like probably a lot of your students might not know that movie. But oh no, they do. Yeah, it's, they it's, do. Good. Yeah. Their parents, hopefully, because isn't it like fifteen or more years old now? Um, it came out in two thousand four, so yeah, exactly fifteen. They um, should rescreen at this. Well, they're rescreening freaking Cruel Intentions and The Matrix. Yeah. Is like anniversaries like today, so I don't understand what the heck. What who who's fighting for cruel intentions? Um, but nonetheless, I know I had a friend post about it that he was so excited, and I'm like, it's not. I haven't even seen it in a long time, but I don't remember being wowed by it. But so it had all those great actresses. This one's and interesting, actresses. and I think an argument needs to be made that a high box office. Oh, you know what, Corey? I'm gonna help crush yes. the box office debate right now. Avatar. Highest grossing film of all time. Period. No movies made more money in the box office ever. Quote Avatar for me right now. Here's what I can tell you because I did see it in theaters. Um, Giovanni Ribisi was in it and he was a bad guy. Yeah. And it made me sad. Point being. Un- unobtainium. 
Yes, Mike, I will give you that because I also know that because I was so mad when I heard them call it that. I'm like, seriously? That's what you wrote, yeah, James Cameron, pretty, my that rival? Pretty, that, was pretty, that was pretty weak. So, I feel like I really wasted my money and saw that one in IMAX, but I can't Dances remember. with Wolves in Space. Dude, okay, to my point then, that movie isn't a cult movie just because it made a lot of money. Uh, it's it's not a cult movie because nobody cares about Avatar anymore. Like it it has lost all impact. Mean Girls did make a lot of money, nowhere near as much as Avatar, but its cultural impact I think sustained after its box office because just because people go to see it in the theater doesn't mean it's going to um, be a memorable film. Because I think there is a there is a, a a fine line there of like what constitutes it being cult and what constitutes it always being relevant. And I don't know. For sure, where that line is, I did see Mean Girls pop up on some of the lists, though. Um, so uh, you're not the only one who considers it a cult film, and I do think the fan base is is way very diverse. Yes, and I think when it, the the fans that went to see it in the theater were Lindsay Lohan like fans, and I think and it, that well, I think Sorry. the Tina Fey fans found it after the fact. I, I I think most of us wrote it off when it was coming out as like no way is that good. Like there's no way. I, I went to see it and I. I wasn't happy we were seeing it and then i died in the theater you died like, yeah i'm a i'm a zombie oh crap really good skincare and no, i'm kidding um <laughs> i just really wasn't expecting to like it because i don't like Lindsay lohan and i this movie made me a fan now i'm blanking out on her name oh, rachel mcadams yeah and i haven't liked everything that she's in but she's a quality actress and she's like in her mid-20s and playing a teenager and i really liked Lacey chabert is that how you pronounce her name yeah yeah in this you know i mean there's just so many dumb i know you don't like her but i love karen oh i like amanda seyfried in certain roles i don't like her in uh les mis um particularly that's like my i like no one in les mis Yes. Okay, that's kind of where I'm at too, Corey. I'm not a fan of that movie. Um, but I've I've grown to like her. In fact, uh, and what really shocked me is that I don't like her singing in Les Mis, but I like her in Mamma Mia. So I don't know uh, what it was with Les Mis. Maybe it's just the songs themselves I don't care for. But um, Lacey Chabert no. is on my TV all the time because she does nothing but Hallmark movies Hallmark. now. And so uh, my wife during Christmas, that is what the TV is on. So I see her... A lot, and every single time, I'm like, "Would you please stop trying to make fetch happen?" Like it is, you know. <laughs> My um, father, the inventor of the toaster strudel, and just like the th- things that they say in that movie, like that—that that her dad's the inventor of the toaster strudel. Yeah, it's what? so funny. Um, yeah. Oh my god, Amy Poehler. Oh jeez, don't even. Uh, yeah, this movie definitely is super quotable, and it, it definitely has um has a lasting impact on our culture. So it's. And uh, again, I think there are people. This is their their movie. This is what they kind of rally around. That their fandom is Mean Girls, and that's that's pretty interesting. Mike, you're a fan of this too, right? I do like it. I see. If I'm thinking that, I would probably go Jawbreaker because oh, it I was the lesser. Yeah, see that that to me is more cultish. I feel but like again... it. Yeah. Well, again, that's the the craziness of the subjectivity, right? Like. Um, there is not and a I mean, definitive definition that I can, true. you know, play. but again, and, it's, it's part of the fun of this is debating it. So, and, and ultimately we would probably have to acknowledge Heather's as well. Mm-hmm. Cause yes. I would say that's, 
you know, that's what I would say. I, I don't dislike it. I mean, I, I love Tina Fey. I can't uh, not like her. So, uh, and Jawbreaker was five years earlier, and that's worthy of note too. Um, it seems so much longer than yeah, that. Yeah, it seems like, yeah. and it feels like Jawbreaker came after. Is what it feels like. Yeah, um, it, just... I think it. I think it, this movie. I mean, think too. Like Heather's was around my whole life, and I honestly never really heard of it until. Wow. Maybe, maybe like six, seven years ago, and now it's it's Whoa. become such. It's a, all over. Yeah. Well, the my high schoolers are all about Heather's. Like that is a movie. Yeah. Some somewhere some somehow it made a I connect. I thought there was, and it was a new show or something. There, there was a musical. There was a musical and a show. There was. Yeah, a I didn't realize there was a show. Yeah, there it was. didn't do well. It lasted like maybe that's what it was. They four went weeks. to that and they, no. they discovered no. That, it's actually the other. The movie got so popular that it it warranted a TV series to try to capture that market of Heather's fans. Um, I but think how? it was. How that, could you was ever? Was Heather's eighty eight or? Yeah, uh, it's eighty something. But yeah, it's, yeah. I want to eighty eight. Okay. But, that... but see, how could you even make? How could you even make something like that? Even really, because oh, there's so they much tried to it modern, that you can't. They tried to modernize it, and it was really not good. I've heard a few people defending the show, but mostly the show did not do well. Um, the musical is supposed to be really good, though. Uh, but I think that you can also watch on YouTube or something. I think there is a like a, a full version of it. Um, but yeah, uh, Heather's would definitely qualify, and in my I hope it didn't because we're talking about movies that could be on someone's list right now. But um, I, 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 one, I don't think there's one type of movie. Like, just because Mean Girls, Jawbreaker, Heathers all have some thematic elements that are the same, I think, again, your fan base is maybe only going to attach to one or maybe all. Um, like, my daughter loves Mean Girls and um, Heathers, but I don't think she's seen Jawbreaker. Um, in fact, oh, I'm fairly I, confident mm, she hasn't. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah I was going to say, mm, that's I, not a... I'm not going to throw it out there for her to go watch it, mind you, but I'm just saying, like, I don't know that Heather's was appropriate for her to watch when we watched it. And we also watched Pump Up the Volume, like, right afterwards. And it's been a few years oh. since she first saw it. Um, Pump Up the Volume, very, very vulgar movie, but definitely one that could be a cult film. Um, yep, yep. But, uh, I, again, we are not experts on what constitutes a cult film by any means. Um, and I like this discussion, so I don't want it to be uh, where, like, we're bashing. But also, I, I do want to have the debate, because... I want to I want to feel like I better understand, and I'm sure listeners, um, you might want to weigh in on this. Maybe you're like a, an advocate. Um, there's a podcast that kind of, I would say, almost seems to own the market on the cult genre, uh, Pure Cinema Podcast. Um, they often reference the uh, Mike. Do you remember the name of that book? It's something Perry's Guide to Cult Movies or um, Guide <laughs> to Cult Movies. I'm looking it up. There's a book. Um, that they constantly refer to and uh, I'm sure some of the movies that I'm listing would not make his book and if he is the be all end all of cult film well then oops but that's I don't think that's the case you know what I'm saying so it's it's fun to have the debate what constitutes just like genre film some are obviously a certain type of genre but there's others that are debatable right like um, so I, I, I could definitely see Mean Girls as a cult film but I do think like Jawbreaker feels more in line with what I would think of as like a very underground, not a lot of people have seen it type of movie um, where Mean Girls was a lot more mainstream from the get go. But I do think it found a second life after its box office with a crowd. It never that, went away. Yeah. It, well, for me, I was I never would have thought Mean Girls would be a movie that I would one quote and two love. And um, 
that's unfair to that movie, mind you, for me judging it without seeing it. But, uh, you know, sometimes we make those decisions. There's only so much time that we can uh, commit to films and we're going to have to weigh our options. Does this trailer sell me on the premise? And if no, I may not go see it and I might regret that later. Uh, There's plenty of movies that fit that bill, you know. Um, My favorite movie, which I won't say right now, but my favorite movie I didn't see in the theater because I didn't know anything about it. But if I had the opportunity to go back, totally would rather see it in the theater, you know? Maybe they'll screen it again. Maybe. No, I don't know. No, I don't know. I know. You're going to tell us later, right? Yes, I shall. Our fingers fingers are coming off. Um, (laughs) Just lose a segment of my pinky. No, no, no. No, that's no. You gotta have your pinky. Um, Mike, let's go to you. What is your number four? Uh, I'm assuming it's Jawbreaker. <laughs> uh, it is not Jawbreaker, but it would definitely fit in with me. At... Mm. See, I'm finding that most of mine, except for maybe one, are not going to have like the quotable quotes and whatnot. There's one that I feel will have that, um, but we'll get to that in a little bit. I will say, because at the Friday, I think it was Friday showing of Us, because we actually made it to the theater and one of the trailers boggled my mind and as as it progressed and it got to the the person who directed it who is related to my pick i was like wow that's where we're at this is the long strange trip of harmony kareen uh because spring breakers had a similar tone and now the beach bum yeah same director yes and the same director of this one, which is total night and day difference. The only star I can think of is maybe one or two stars, if that, in this one from 97. And it was Gummo, which I feel like I've mentioned in the past. Hmm. Um, but it's just such a different tone, such a different look. And it's just, I mean, we progress and that's, he's gone Hollywood is what I feel like. Because Gummo is such a look and a different it's the polar opposite of mcconaughey's beach bun persona it's there's no zen zen like surfer dude character in this ohio town i want to say it's xenia but i can't remember that i don't know if they even mention it ohio that's that the narrative of gummo takes place in and that i use that as in the loosest sense of the term because it's a very it's not really linear. You you have an image of a pubescent, prepubescent teen who's got the bunny ears on, very reminiscent of um, the daughter in Bob's Burgers, who I should know because I have a T-shirt of her. Not her. Yes, with a with a little bunny, pinky, even pink bunny ears and everything. I wonder if that's a nod to this. Uh, and it, it's just a slice of verisimilitude, slice of life look into poverty and this town that's been devastated by tornado by disasters by uh, just the the lack of it keeping up with the way the rest of the world is gone and some of the stuff that a couple of the characters do is abhorrent i I don't even want to mention it i just read a few things while you were talking about it and yeah uh, i can't i I just it is is very disturbing and they do it out of necessity and out of cruelty and I mean, we we had a, a a session with just the teachers, and very recently to get an idea of what poverty is like. It's a little bit ironic, but I mean, it was what it was supposed to take. You know, the course of several days, and it was the first day, and a good amount of the people participating already 
resorted to some sort of criminal activity. And that was just in a simulation. It was very Twilight Zone-ish, kind of. But um, the, the only star I can think of was Chloe Sevigny and maybe yep. Flea. And I wow. cannot think of any. Uh, I might be wrong about Flea, but I could have sworn there's a there's a house party scene where he is he's, fairly prominent. He's not listed, but that doesn't mean he's not in it. And this letterbox casting is. I'm looking at letterbox instead of IMDb. Um, oh, IMDb is usually a little more. Uh, it, I'd have depth, to double yeah. check. But Chloe Sevigny uh, is definitely in it. That was I was going to mention her. Um, which yeah, I'm she's a big really fan. the only one. Yeah. Well, and she and Harmony Korine had dated for a while because I, I think that went back to kids. And I think this was his, not a break from Larry Clark, uh, the director of Kids and Bully and a couple others, but definitely you can see very similar minds, very similar sensibilities between the two because it is focused around a group of teens. And it's a lot, I mean, it, this makes Kids look like a big time production. Which and I know crazy. Kids was done, yeah, Kids was done on a very shoestring budget. Um, I mean, that... That, that that's first appearance I, of both of Chloe Sevigny and uh, Rosario, Rosario Dawson. Dawson. Yeah, I, I used um, to watch that movie a lot back. I had HBO when it was out, and I would it was on all the time. Kids, that is not Gummo. Um, I've never seen Gummo. Um, I have seen Spring Breakers. I am planning on seeing Beach Bum. Um, I I was not a fan of Spring Breakers, and what I just read about Gummo, I don't think I'm gonna watch this movie. <laughs> I, it's it's a very acquired. Most of mine are a very acquired taste. This one's a tough one. I probably could have pushed it down to the bottom, uh, um, because of content. But I, I just pushed it up because, it, again, here we are. It's 22 years later, and these this is the director is making the Beach Bum. It's made Spring Breakers these very very Hollywood films. They're not. Ooh. What I'm used to from him, I would say Spring Breakers is uh, anti Hollywood in a lot of ways. Um, especially, See, felt, but considering where he comes from, for got me, it. it felt more Hollywood than. And not. that makes sense because I don't know his his other work, but Spring Breakers. I mean, while it is definitely big budget, it's not. It's a small budget, but it's got you got James Franco, Selena Gomez, um, I think Vanessa Hudgens. There's two other girls I don't think are as famous, um, and. Uh, but like the the movie itself, like the plotting and the scripting, um, definitely kind of like, if anything, it's it's mocking Hollywood filmmaking, and it it barely resembles a plot. Um, there's yeah. so many weird scenes in it. I I it's not a movie that appeals to my style or sensibilities, and I also am not a big James Franco fan. Um, I don't I don't <laughs> hate him, but I, I he definitely uh, as the leading man, it takes a lot for me to get <sighs> into it. Um, I'm I, oddly I love Dave Franco can't stand james most of the time um except for the disaster artist really like him there um yeah but yeah i, I wonder i always wondered if this was for spring breakers not gummo uh not to get too far away from gummo but i always wondered if that was vanessa hudgens and selena's gomez's way to make that break they're done being the disney kids mm -hmm. and this is what they're doing they're they're kind of being the rebellious teen that's what i always felt like yeah i think so i think um much less so than what uh, Miley Cyrus did to break away from her Disney roots. <laughs> um, well, at least uh, Hudgens had more trouble. I think Gomez was, for the most part, she had a little bit of trouble, but nowhere near as severe as the other two, um, except for maybe the Justin Bieber episode. But, um, you know, that's debatable. But Gummo, uh, movie I'm not going to see. Um, it is an interesting one because, like, 
Corey's movies and I definitely mine, although mine I think are still a little less known, I think are more at least within again my friend circles, we're they're quotable, they're uh they're good time cult movies. Mike's seems to be going in a path of darker and darker so far. Hey, always because <laughs> Gummo Gummo sounds like I can't I imagine know where people wanting to rewatch this and uh and re experience these movies, but um, I mean, again, coming from kids, and I'm like, ooh, that brought Larry Clark to my attention, that plug. Mm-hmm. Harmony Korine to my attention, and it took forever. I, Julian Donkey Boy is another one, which I can't even give a, an accurate description. It has to do with a protagonist that has special needs, and then it, it, it's... It, it, I, there was also, I mean, um, we're thinking of, uh, Lars von Trier, where we're thinking the Dogme 95 movement, yep. kind of going along those ways, and there's this whole sense of... This is a whole shot on location. This was a time, handheld camera. Yeah, yeah, handheld camera. No music unless it hap- happens or occurs naturally. Dietary, yeah, uh, yeah, yes, yeah. It, it all had the very specific. It, the movement didn't last long. Nope. Uh, and even he broke some of his own rules, as is the case in in Hollywood. Well, not even Hollywood because it's not yeah, part of the not, Hollywood system. Nope. I, I, it's this is. I mean, this is me. This is. Yeah. I'm, no, don't feel the very, need to defend. That's one of the. Oh the, no! It's just yeah. I mean, I think that's the reason why this. Um, I like our our group of for the top five because we are we're we all like similar things, but we also have very diverse tastes when it really boils down to it. Like there are movies that are common ground for all three of us, and then we have like huge huge differences in opinions on other movies. And um, and again, not to say th- many of the movies you have recommended I've enjoyed uh, greatly. In fact, I'm expecting one of yours. Um, although you may have left it off because you've definitely talked about it before, but one of yours that you had highly recommended for me for years that I did finally watch is without question a cult film from the 80s. We'll wait and see if it ends up on Mike's list, um, although I am anticipating it. Uh, for now, I'm going to continue in my trend of comedies and generally stupid yes, comedies. Yes, take, take us out of the dark place. Good follow-up to Mike. I'm kidding. Uh, Super Troopers from 2001 uh, forced its way into my friend group so hard. And then uh, I found out later that it wasn't just my friend group, that Super Troopers forced its way into a fan of stupid comedies all over the place. Um, I still say shenanigans, evil shenanigans on a regular basis. Um, 2001, I'm in college. Uh, We are uh, my my first band, if you want to call it that. We didn't really play real shows. We played parties. And um, this movie was one that my whole group, like uh, the band, the girlfriends around the band, we all loved this movie. We would just sit and rewatch it like all the time. And we, you know, um, say meow so many times. And it's just, there's so many quotable freaking moments in this movie. And it's great because it's uh, the, what is it? Uh, something lizard. Um, it's not coming to me all of a sudden. Um, Broken uh, lizard. Dead Broken, lizard. Broken, Broken lizard. lizard. Uh, Jay Shandrasek, uh is the director and star as Thorny. Um, you got Steve LeMay, uh, Kevin Hefferman, who is hilarious as Farfra, Paul S- uh, Soder, Brian Cox. Um, this movie did so well that uh, they finally made a sequel last year. That was all crowdfunded uh, because they wanted this film to be made, uh, the sequel. And the sequel's good. It's not as good as the first one, and I didn't expect it to be. It's, if you're a fan of this one, you will definitely find joy in the second. They rehash some bits, but they also come up with a new material. It's not a complete... 100% rehash of the first movie, which is what you want, right? You don't want it to be exactly the same, but you want it to feel at least related to the original. Um, but man, this movie, to me, 
has that attitude. I, I have not got to go to, like, a rescreening, but I know that they've done them, and I know that people are, like, that kind of cult movie with this film. They have, uh, at the very least, like, fan parties and things like that. I could see doing that with this movie because there's little things that you could think about, like having maple syrup readily available so that people could do yes. shots of maple syrup whenever they say this. or um, <laughs> you know, like, There's so many things you could do to make this a cult kind of, like, friend thing, and it's just super fun. Like, it's, it's yes, it is... Stupid. There's no getting around the the ridiculousness of this film, and the fact I mean that you have um, you know some actual like big names like having Brian Cox as the chief of the Super Troopers is ridiculous, right? Wow. Like, like people might even forget that. And then you get Linda Carter is is the governor <laughs> in the first movie. Like little things like that, little details that are, are overlooked. I think um, that make it even funnier when you see her show up or when you hear them debating things. Um, and I'm trying to think of who the uh, the chief of the police is, uh, Daniel Von Bargen, who isn't necessarily like a, a big name, but he's a character actor you'll recognize. Um, and it's just a fun movie that um, I can rewatch over and over again. And then there's uh, the Snozberries, Tastes Like Snozberries, which, yes, that's a Willy Wonka line. But if you've seen Super Troopers, it has a very different context and it's hilarious. Um, so... It's a movie that, again, my friends definitely fell into the cult of Super Troopers, and I've never left it. I'm still a big advocate. I never got into their other films, like they had Dead Island, I think, or something like that, or Club mm -hmm. Club Dead, Club Dread, something like that. Um, and uh, they did uh, a Beer Fest, I think, was their other one, which I did see. That one was all right. Uh, but for me, Super Troopers is the go-to, and I just think it, it is so funny. Um, and every time, uh, the, a lot of the guys will show up on Douglas movies from time to time. It's always a great episode. I'm a big fan of them as, as actors and whatnot. So, um, that's my pick for number four, Super Troopers. Have you guys seen it? Yes. I have not. Man, Mike, that's you would think You would think I would have. I, good thing I don't bet. Uh, you would think that's one that I would have, but I just, I think it was enough of a liking that people, I'm like, eh, I don't know if that's for me. I think you should check it out. I think you'd enjoy it. Corey, what were your I would what, probably like it. What are your thoughts? Um, that it's funny. I didn't watch it until right before the second one came out. Oh. <laughs> I had a friend uh, who wanted to go, and it just, you know, I don't usually see comedies. They're not always my cup, cup of, of tea. tea. Yeah. But, um, so I watched that one, and then... I think that the second one was more fun to me because I was in the audience with friends. Ah, you know, so yeah. I definitely laughed more because it was definitely contagious. I don't know. But mm -hmm. I thought that they were funny. And I I, li I like dumb comedy sometimes. We've talked about that, like yeah. Wayne's World, you know, uh, Dumb and Dumber, you know, Tommy Boy. It's just fun sometimes. Well, it, so, Mike, there's an opening scene that's really funny where they arrest some guys uh, for littering. Um, but they got, they're like, they're messing with them. Like they pull them over and they, they have, it's so funny how they mess with them. I don't even want to tell you how, but, um, eventually they're like, uh, I pulled you over for littering and littering and littering and, and they're, they, they were doing drugs. Like we know these guys are like, they had drugs in the car. One of them has eaten all the drugs and he drops, he's like <laughs> smoking the reefer and, um, it, it's so freaking funny. And that leads to them like in this big car chase. It is so ridiculously great just at the opening like it's such a fun movie um 
and there's so many quotable lines in this movie. Like I can't, like I, I'm having a harder time pulling them right now, which is regretful. But there, it's full of like little things that you will quote and say with your friends, and people will just get them. Um, again, just as simple as saying, "Listen here, meow." People will, people who are fans of this movie will laugh, and they'll be like, "Oh man, it's Super Troopers!" Like, yeah, that's right, that's right, it's Super Troopers. Um, it's it's great. Uh, I really really recommend people check out was... if you missed it. And the second kind one, of... check it out. I was kind of wondering, too, because the first Super Troopers came out in 2001, and I wonder when Reno 911 came out, because... It was after. Um, yeah, they, definitely. They are, oh, 2003. Yeah, they are... Uh, they're they're definitely kindred spirits, but there there's enough of a difference there um, that I... Those are two separate but enjoyable properties. And yeah, they are both dumb comedies that deal with the idea of, like, Highway Patrol, but, you know... So is chips technically. So, <laughs> yeah, more okay. so the the movie that's mediocre. But I mean, it's Zach Shepard, Michael Pena, so that you're gonna still laugh at it. Um, all right, we're circling around. Let's go to Corey. What's your number three? Okay, guys, I'm sorry I talked about it before, but I couldn't leave it off. I had to go with 1971's Harold and Maude. I figured um, that one would be on your list. Yeah. Yes. Um. I think that this is one of those that kind of transcends who you think the fan base would be, and it is almost, oh, I can't count, 29 and 19, no, that's not right. Oh. Is it? There's no way. I don't know what we're saying. I'm trying to do maths. I'm trying to figure out how old it is, and I didn't learn about this movie until I worked at um, FYE, and one of my coworkers really enjoyed it. So I decided to check it out, and I it it's just a, it's a weird movie. Even if you like it, it's a strange movie that you I don't know if somebody told me it's a you know a love story between someone that's probably in his early twenties and someone who's almost eighty. I probably wouldn't you know check yeah, it out. Yeah, no, not but, at all. I I'm um, actually where I think that you might have really hit an interesting uh, thing. I can't find a box office for this, so I'm wondering if it was ever in the box office. I was trying to find that, too, and I I was adding up and saying, going to say that it's 48 years old, but that just seemed too much, but this movie is 48 years old. Yeah. Which is nuts to me. Um, I don't always like Cat Stevens, and I don't always like when a movie uses the same musician for the whole soundtrack. It usually is very off-putting, but it's fine in this one, and I love... Bud Court so much as yeah. Harold. Well, this one definitively is a cult film, though. Uh, mm-hmm. it, I even I've every list I saw had this somewhere on it, and um, it's uh, it it didn't have it, it definitely had some theatrical run, but it was it said it didn't do well in the box office, which I am not surprised because not only is it a a love relationship between an old man and or I'm sorry, an old woman and a young man, but also uh, the young man is obsessed with they're well they're both Pretty obsessed dark. with death. And he is, yes, like, fake suicide. So, very, very dark comedy um, and dark romance at that. And it is uh, yet somehow beautiful, despite that. Wow. Whoa. I'm, I found a New York Times article, um, and it says that it completely flopped in yeah. 1971 when it was mm-hmm. released. And in 1983, it finally made a profit. A profit. It finally became yep. a profitable movie. And it says that Ruth Gordon threw away her $50,000 check because... I guess she didn't think it was going to... Ever cash? (laughs) Yeah. So that's interesting. She didn't want it to bounce. Um, She should have cashed it. Yeah. But anyway. 
word. But, and this is, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Mike, this is on your gap list, right? Yes, yes. A lot of these are, actually. So, Because they're cult films. But this one, I feel like you would, it, it's so up your alley. Yeah, um, it's, it's, it's one of those I've, I've long missed. And, and this I just is need to catch up with. It's an interesting one that I think it it's one of those films I was talking about earlier where it brings the three of us together. Uh, I know you haven't seen it yet, but I have no doubt in my mind that you would really like this. Um, and that was it was presented to me from both Corey and some surprising people, people who are in my life that I wouldn't have thought this movie would appeal to them. And even more, it's one of those movies it's hard to recommend to like like coworkers and stuff because. If you're wrong about their taste, <laughs> what are they gonna think of me? <laughs> yeah, there's that after like, what's wrong with you? Like, why would you recommend <laughs> this to mental. me? Like, it's a weird relationship with like suicide jokes. Like, what's wrong with you? Um, this just poor like, mother. It's from '71. <laughs> it was a it different was a time. Different time. <laughs> I feel like it would have been even less acceptable back then. Obviously, but we were in the middle of cults and things. It so. wasn't until the '80s that apparently people were like, "Hey, it's okay to laugh at this." Um, <laughs> Ahead and, of its time. Uh, Hal Ashby is the director, and uh, Bert Court. I'm oh, sorry, Bud Court. I mixed up letters. And Ruth Gordon are your leads in the titular roles. Um, no real stars except, like you mentioned, uh, Ray Stevens and/or what is Cats? Cat Stevens. It's Cat Stevens. Yeah. Is Ray Stevens the name, or is that did I mix that up? Is that Ray the Stevens? Is Ray the Stevens guy that the, did the the comedy song stuff? Something yeah. in the church. Oh, my bad. No, um, no, he did. He did a bunch. So Cat Stevens, but what's his? Uh, he has another name, right? Because that's not his. Um... Cat Stevens yeah. converted to Islam, yes. and a lot it's of people Yusuf. were very upset Yusuf. with him. I, yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. I had sorry. to Google it. Sorry. Yeah, I was trying to remember because I knew because when I worked at Fye, there were two sections. And certain CDs would come in, even though it would say Cat Stevens, it would say Yousef instead. And I'm like, wait, what? Why are there two different sections? Um, but, uh, yeah, th that was actually the first I really listened to his music. And I love the music in the movie. And I tried to listen to it out of the movie, and I don't like it as much out of the context of the film. Like, I really <clears throat> need it in that context for it to work for me. Um, but, yeah. again, having an artist like that who was well-regarded... Um, this movie was they were hoping it was going to have an audience and it just it took a while to find so without without a doubt uh really high on the list i think for cult films so good call Corey. and i i consider this one but i i, I figured it would be on your list since you're the reason i finally watched it so Yay. Uh, that said let's go to mike's number three well if it's associated with hp lovecraft the chances are very very good really good actually that i will likely take an interest in it the ancient old ones have pervaded my psyche since early childhood somehow. I don't know. We can blame my mother on that, I guess. So, knowing me, you would likely think I would go the reanimator route, but ah. that film gets tons of love uh, from many already. And I went the other Stuart Gordon and Brian Yesna production from 1986, mm -hmm. From Beyond. Uh, quite a few people that were involved in Reanimator went on to work with this crew. A couple of my favorites, Jeffrey Combs is still one of my favorites, and Barbara Crampton, also still one of my favorites. Uh, Reanimator focused on Dr. Herbert West's uh, quest to overcome death, but from beyond switched over to a different character. Still some Miskatonic ties, which is the university in the Arkham Horror H.P. Uh, Lovecraft universe and went with a character named Crawford Tillinghast who worked with a Dr. Pretorius to try to effectively open a portal into another dimension and well actually doing it that's right in the beginning parts of it where the, gra the graphic violence is excessive 
Um, and that's within the before you even get to credits. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, when you mess with things that you should not mess with, well, the humans are such easy prey tagline definitely totally makes sense. It's more than a bit accurate. Uh, so it's it's my my theory on because I it's for some reason the kids always want to ask about time travel and I, I figure as irresponsible as we are as humans, if anything ever happened with that, we would have destroyed ourselves within moments of creating that because there'll be people but they'll get rich quick schemes and they'll just it's the whole time cop thing so um let's see just for me it's just this hits all the horror notes for me correctly like practical effects some goofiness some slightly off kilter humor and horror and uh, if if stepping through another a doorway or window through your pineal gland uh ooh, i can't even describe that scene scene because it's very disturbing uh mm-hmm. if that's not uh, up your alley uh, just be advised that will probably be a no-go for you probably be, have an easier time watching gummo than this so man there we are well um, I have not seen this one. I've seen. I haven't actually seen all of Reanimator. Uh, I started watching it with you. Uh, um, is that the one you were thinking? I I, I expected re- no. It's not because um, I haven't okay. seen it yet. The one that I'm thinking I actually did watch. Uh, Reanimator is one. It was hard for me to sit through what I saw. It in terms of like not the the like I'm good with the gore and stuff. It's it's more like the the quality. You know what I mean? Like it feels like a B movie. Uh, um, I mean, it is low budget, but considering yeah. the money they had to work with, it, it worked surprisingly True. well. Uh, it's more of like, again, I'm not criticizing it as like, this is like why other people shouldn't like it. It's more like, this is why I couldn't get into it, because I couldn't get past some of the uh, the acting choices and things like that. We're just like, oh, okay. Um, and that, it, not that there are movies that work for me like that, but it sometimes it just has to be in the right headspace. Um, we had just watched the first episode of Evil Dead on Stars that night. And it came out yeah. like afterwards, and I was like, <laughs> I was, you know, going from the high quality of Star's production by comparison, especially to like the old Evil Dead, um, and then jumping into Reanimator, I, I think it was just like, meh. Plus, I think we went to Douglas Movies that night, or... So it was a busy night. Yeah, it was a busy night. So like, it was, uh, I think I was just done. So I, I, and I had to go home anyways, that's why I didn't finish it, but I haven't, I have not had the desire to go back, but um, if you're saying From Beyond is, is tougher then uh, it's probably going to sit to the background for my list. Um, Corey, uh, you like horror. Have you seen From Beyond? I have not. And I've also not seen Reanimator. What? (gasps) Whoa. I know. I think Big Tuna just got to see Reanimator at um, a screening they did at uh, the the Art House Theater, the Enzian, here in Orlando. Um, not too long ago, if I'm not mistaken, I I could be mistaken. But I think... He's a, he's he's pretty young, so I, I'll excuse him. Corey's oh. not. Well, she's younger. Oh my God! Goodbye. <laughs> she's still young. <laughs> Mike, you are not helping my case every time I lie about my age. Oh, <gasps> telling... I am deeply offended right I, now. I am so telling lies. I feel I'm like lies. John can feel. How offended I am! Oh, I he totally as soon as he said it, I was like, "Uh oh." <laughs> He's like, "No, he didn't, <laughs> but he did." Is it my turn now? No, it's my turn. No, um, it's not. Hey, it's not. You got me and all. Not... <laughs> oh, we... we need to age, move on. Age is but a Harold and Maude thing. Don't worry about that. <laughs> so my this oddly enough, I have two movies from 2006 um, on my oh. list, and this is the second of the two. 
Um, and it stars a band that I love, and even the band is a cult band, I would say. Like, only some people really even consider them to be a real band and not just a comedic duo. But that's Tenacious D in The Pick of Destiny, um, a movie that is only for Tenacious D fans. Like, honestly, I don't think it's for anybody else. If you're not a fan of Jack Black and Kyle Gass, the guys themselves, who are not playing themselves technically, they are, but they're not, because these are fictional characters that they've created. They had a... Uh, I'm such a fan of this band. I own their HBO series on DVD. I own the film. I've actually owned the film twice because I let someone borrow it, never got it back, so bought another copy. Um, mm. I own a collection of their music videos and a live performance of their concert. I am a diehard Tenacious D fan. Um, I'm a diehard Jack Black fan for the most part, even though there's a lot of movies of his I cannot tolerate. This is one that just is literally for me in every way. Um, we get a lot of cameos because Jack Black is a celebrity. So we get Ronnie James Dio, Tim Robbins, Meatloaf is his father at the beginning of the movie. Ben Stiller, who <laughs> Ben Stiller plays a guitar a guitar center employee who's almost unrecognizable. David Grohl or Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters slash Nirvana reprises his role of the devil that he uh, played in the uh, tribute video. You get Paul F. Tompkins, um, who is a regular on the Tenacious D TV series. Um, Fred Armisen shows up. Ned Bellamy. I mean, it's just. Oh, Amy Poehler, John C. Riley. I mean, you're... Oh, yeah, John C. Riley Sasquatch in this movie. So if you haven't seen this, if that doesn't say something, even check this out. Amy Adams, because it's 2006, she's still kind of new, uh, is in this movie. And Colin Hanks, um, you know, Tom Hanks' son. Uh, just to, to name a little... Um, this movie is a uh, rock opera. Um, there's, a, there's references to so many different things. There's references to Clockwork Orange in this movie. I mean, it is insane in every regard um i own the soundtrack love this movie it is super quotable and i it's not a cult that i get to be actively involved in because a lot of my friends aren't fans of this movie but um i did have a student uh who if she's listening i'm not gonna say your name just for you know reasons but she's a huge jack black fan and is also a big tenacious d pick of destiny fan and the only person i think i've met in real life who is as big a fan as i am um, when it comes to this film, but I know that there is a cult following of Tenacious D. All you have to do is, when they go on tour, look at their crowd, because they sell out, and that's not just for Jack Black fans, that's for fans of the band. Uh, they are super talented, in my opinion. Yes, they write funny songs, and they do stupid skits, but if you if you buy into it, it's excellent, and I've, I totally have drunk the Tenacious D Kool-Aid, um, which is probably composed of, like, bong juice and uh, <laughs> Kool-Aid. So... <laughs> Wow, I don't know that you should be admitting I didn't that, actually you know, drink the Kool-Aid. You said it. You said metaphorically. It. Um, I haven't ever seen this. I'm not really a Jack Black fan, but I did get to see them last year. Um, and they were really fun. But did you see the um That's right, they were at Shaking Knees last year, weren't they? Yeah, and he announced that they were gonna be releasing another album and then uh did you see the post apocalypto? I had to look up the title. It's six episodes on youtube apparently oh um i think is that with uh with val kilmer i'm not sure i think i have seen it because they did something with val kilmer that i watched not long ago and it's really really it's like the first time val kilmer had been in anything for like a few years uh and it's super funny um yeah I, i'm again big big nerdy tenacious d fan here and i saw this movie opening day um <laughs> like no one else was in the theater really maybe like two other people and uh yeah I, you know to me it's super quotable um 
there are lines that I reference, and even the songs are like cult kind of in a way because the songs it's an opera, so the songs are often describing what's happening in the movie, even though they're the ones singing. <laughs> like, um, oh man, it's so bad, it's so great, um, absolutely fun. If you're again, you got to be a fan of the music to have any kind of appreciation for this. But the opening sequence though is worth. It's probably on YouTube, but it's Meatloaf and James Dio both singing it, and so it's worth watching just for that. Um, I highly recommend checking that out if nothing else. But, um, Mike, have you ever seen it? Nope. <laughs> this is I the first, not. man. We're three, uh, oh for three on my list for you. I don't think that's ever happened. Um, I know you've seen the last, at least one of the last two of mine. I'm not sure on the very last. No, I'm sure. You've seen the last two for sure. Um, uh, but you okay. missed the first three. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Well, then, uh, and Corey, did, you didn't see the movie, but you've seen them. Yeah, and our mutual friend is a fan, so y'all can nerd it oh, up. Oh, I didn't realize that. Uh, I mean, I figured he'd like the music. I wasn't sure how he felt about the movie, but yeah, I need to talk to our boy Brendan about that. Um, he's been on the podcast, so I can say his name. All right, Corey, what's uh, what's your second? Okay, so my second pick started as a musical, um, as an off-Broadway musical in 1998. Oh. Became a film in 2001, and then went back to being a musical, but ah. this time on Broadway, Got it. and has had big actors in it, um, playing the title role of Hedwig. Um, Including Neil go... Patrick Harris. Yes, and Michael C. Oh. Hall. Everyone goes to Neil Patrick Harris and forgets Michael C. Hall. <laughs> but I feel like he made it maybe more relevant, because... He was, and I mean, Michael C. Hall is popular too because of Dexter. Um, Dexter, but How I Met Your Mother, I think he, that was still going when Neil Patrick Harris was playing Hedwig. I'm not sure. I, I don't watch that show. I'm pretty sure um, he it was because of the Tony he got for it because he performed at the Tonys, which is on YouTube. Okay. Which we still haven't said what this movie is. So, <laughs> Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Um, I really like this movie. I... A friend and I watched it together. I can't remember exactly when, maybe like 15 years ago, and I was just so into it. And um, it only made three million dollars mm-hmm. as the film when it was initially released. And in the movie, it stars. I always get his name mixed up because I feel like he has two first names. John Cameron Mitchell. Thank you. Um, he wrote it and. And he was in the original musical, and then he plays the part in the film, too. Oh, I read um, a lot about this. I just watched this recently, and he he developed the character for, like, a long time, doing variations of, like, not even, it wasn't, like, a fully scripted musical. He would do, like, character oh, workshops with this character. Like, so Hedwig was a well, very extremely developed character that he was writing the musical as he was developing the character. So yeah, uh, huge, interesting production. I I watched this last year with my wife, and we both loved it. And then um, I actually had Big Tuna watch this as part of our February uh, uh, six-movie challenge where we challenged each other to watch movies that we either loved or hated. Um, He loved this also. And I'm sure you were going to say this, but I wanted to talk about this movie, but I didn't feel like I could put it on my list because I've only seen it once. And so, like, you know, while I think it's a great film, I don't have enough, like, love. I haven't given enough of my time to it yet, but I'm glad it's on your list. But it's getting the Criterion release here soon, which the box art looks so cool. Oh, 
Um, I'm so excited because it's the first time it's going to be on Blu-ray. Yeah, it, it was hard for me to see it. I'd been trying to watch it for like two years. I finally had to shell out like 14 bucks to get it on Voodoo or something like. Um, and cause you can't. It's out of print. Like you can't get it. Yeah, like, I, I, I didn't even realize that. I've had my DVD for so long, but it's yeah. it just blows my mind that it's not in print and DVD. Like you can't get it in DVD form, and I it drives me nuts when like the digital versions of movies cost more than it would cost to get a yeah. physical copy that just doesn't make any sense to me but i am uh even though i own it digitally i am i like the box art enough and i like this movie enough i'm probably gonna end up getting the criterion um but uh sorry i definitely cut you off so if what no else? i i just love this movie and it's also i guess it would be considered a rock opera um yeah. i i just love everything about it even aesthetically um I don't know. It's just such an interesting story. The, the biggest name in the film is Michael Pitt, too. Um, that plays. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Tommy. Um, he's he's the biggest actor for sure in the film. Although uh, John Cameron Mitchell has directed uh, recently um, a Elle Fanning film that's called How to Talk to Girls at Parties, that also oh, has cool. um, Nicole Kidman in it, and that's uh, that movie's very uh, polarizing. I think you either love or hate it. I liked it. Um, uh, Big Tuna loved it. I I feel like someone else. I'm not 100 percent sure if, if if our friend Brendan saw it or not. I feel like if he did, I think he didn't like it. But um, several people have I've heard negatively uh, felt about the film. Um, it's definitely it's different from this for sure. Although uh, does Mike pay tribute to some 80s punk? Uh, so you might like it for that reason. Although you might hate it for that reason too. Because if it if it doesn't pay tribute correctly you might take offense to what they're doing but i'm not sure uh, but uh, i'll give is... it a chance it's one of those that's on my uh, uh, apparently very big gap list <laughs> we're growing it tonight if nothing else right i feel accomplished because that's not usually the way it goes um i feel like our gap list from mike's movies is much higher yeah well um, and to be fair we haven't seen any of your movies this week either but that's the norm. Ah! <laughs> yeah so there uh, yeah um and I just, this is from Wikipedia, but I love Wikipedia, that the budget for that movie was $6 million, so it lost almost half. But it's definitely found a, a huge cult following. And it, and like you said, the Broadway musical has only brought more people to the movie. Um, and and it, I feel, that's a musical I would probably go see. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm actually, I, I watched, after watching, I was so stunned by the film, like, and I was actually mad. Because I didn't mean to watch it when I watched it. I came out of, I think, the shower or something and was like, I just got dressed and I walked out in the living room and my wife had just started it. I'm like, well, yeah. what are you doing? Like, what what made you pick that movie? Like, It's sparkly and red. I don't I know own, what your thing looks like. My digital, like, just to give context here, listeners, my digital library is over 600 movies. So <laughs> there's 600 possibilities she could have picked. And I don't know what made her land on that one at that time, but I was really mad because I had just bought it. And I'm like, hey, I wanted to watch this. So <laughs> I, I actually, I think I missed the first 10 minutes of the movie. And I, I, so I haven't even seen, I guess, from beginning to end the whole film, but I was so hooked in. And then um, my wife, obviously, we both really loved it. And afterwards, I was like, I was reading about it and I watched the uh, Neil Patrick Harris's performance. Um, it's definitely a movie that I think it's without question there's gonna be people who do not like hedwig and the angry itch uh, inch excuse me wow. uh, it's it's good it, it deals with transgender 
Um, it, no. it, it deals with uh, homosexuality. I mean, so there are going to be people who are just automatically turned off because of those things. But um, And, of course, there's going to be people who are turned off because it's a musical. Although it's, uh, it's more in line as far as, like, the musical numbers feel more... They're musicians, organic. so yeah, yeah. there. It's not completely breaking out into song, although it still does. It, it like the, I would say like magical realism definitely plays into the performance pieces, um, but in a cool way. I I love the performance numbers. All the songs are a little different, um, like it's it, they're a band. Some are really like hardcore, like rock music, and then others are more ballad like. Uh, I I I really really enjoy the musical uh, elements of the film for sure. Um, I, de- I think Mikey would like this film a lot, so definitely if you get a chance to watch it, um, do. I need to. I'm, I- I'm positive I'd like it. All right. Well, that's Corey's number two. Uh, let's go to Mike. What do you got for number two? I wonder if I've seen this one or not. <laughs> hey, I'm going back to the darkness, uh, the pit oh. of darkness that is my soul. Oh, no. Um, well, this is an adaptation from an album that is basically... S- it basically got me through middle school years and one that this adaptation was kept from me for several years and then I sought it out on my own and it's 1982's adaptation of Pink Floyd's The Wall. Oh, I have seen um, this. Oh, <laughs> oh very I have nice. not. Very nice. Okay. Well, in essence, it's basically director Alan Parker's extended music video treatise for the double album. If, you've even, if you're even familiar minimally with the album, all of the themes of loss, isolation, overbearing, parentage, torment, any, all the bases are covered in this for me. There was, uh, apparently, I didn't realize that at the time that there was controversy with the casting of Bob Geldof uh, the, playing the titular character. Uh, I didn't realize. I just don't know. Um, what, if I had to guess, uh, you know, this probably tanked at the box office because it's uh, uh, to me, and I don't know if it'll hold up for me this way. It was really all-encompassing. I really because I, I literally went through many double cassettes of these. I bought a double CD of this. I've never owned it on vinyl. I saw it on vinyl, but it was excessively priced. Um, and I just it's one of those that I wish I could have gotten to see on the big screen and never got to. So. Well, I I will say um, I only saw this movie because I had a friend, and at the time um, uh, uh, he was one of my friends that I mentioned with like Super Troopers and stuff. He was in my early band. He was a huge Pink Floyd fan. Um, I don't like Pink Floyd. Uh, I I I guess oh. I like The Wall. Um, I yeah. I find their music to be way too long uh, per song um, for my. And I also I don't like slow music most of the time. So it's not a criticism, again, of them. It's just my taste is everything that they are is, like, not my taste. So um, the oh, movie... Oh, this, this should go totally against my punk sensibilities, but here Agreed. we are. Yeah, uh, and again, uh, there's I have exceptions to my, my general taste as well, but Pink Floyd's never been a band that I've ever gotten into. Obviously, they have... The band itself, I would say, has a huge cult following, right? Like, there are people who, like, live and breathe the Pink Floyd <laughs> life, and this my friend was like that loved them thought they were the greatest thing ever and he kept pushing me to watch this movie and i was just like no dude i don't like pink floyd finally uh i broke down and i did watch it um i don't think i liked it i don't really i don't have a strong enough opinion it's been 20 uh, eh, it's been at least 15 years since i watched it uh more a little more probably like 17 18 years since i watched it but i have seen it which is something more and so i only need to have seen your number one movie mike in order to beat my uh my bet with cory <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing just because 
We'll see. We shall see. Well, um, and Corey, I, I'm actually surprised you've not seen this. Are you not a Floyd fan either? Uh, you know, I I do like The Wall. Um, yeah. My mom was a fan, so we listened to that when I was a kid growing up, which was kind of surprising because I totally wouldn't see her as a fan of that album, but whatever. Uh, but I never branched out from there. Yeah, I, I actually... I don't think I've ever listened to the whole album. I just know the song. The what? World. No, you got it's it's a it's a rock opera. I mean, there's it, just so much going on. You must. Yeah, I probably won't. I don't. It's too no. boring, man. It's so boring. It's so slow. Like I don't have twenty minutes per song. Like I don't. I, oh, it's okay. not. It's not. It's probably <laughs> like nine. There's a couple. There's goodbye Jesus. blue sky. Is just like uh, let's... just this very short. Very bright little ditty. I mean, I've probably heard other songs on the radio, but I don't know what's from the album. You know what I'm saying? Like, I have no clue what's on the album. Um, yeah, no no, no love for them for me. Um, sorry, Mike. Uh, you know, but you can't see eye to eye on everything. Um, I think you'll see eye to eye with me on this, this next one. I, I know you've seen it because I, I believe you're a fan of the director for the most part. Um, and I think this film qualifies, even though it did do uh, pretty well at the box office. But I went with 1997's The Fifth Element, um, directed by <laughs> Luke Besson. And there's my boy Bruce Willis, so I didn't go with Hudson Hawk here. Um, frankly, because I feel like I'm the only member of the Hudson Hawk cult. But <laughs> um, <'cause laughs> I haven't met anyone else who really knows that movie. Uh, but people know The Fifth Element, and it's one of those things that is so quotable. You get Gary Oldman, Ian Holm, Mila jo- Jokovic, Chris Tucker... Which is, Chris Tucker's where I question if it's meant to be more of a comedy than a straight sci-fi movie. Um, rest in peace, Luke Perry has a very small role in this. Um, uh, Tommy List, Tom Lister Jr. I mean, there's so many quotable lines in this film. Um, especially for Mila Djokovic and her uh, Lilu Dallas multipass. Um, you know, there's certain things that I just can't, I can't help but say. Uh, and... I mean, Chris Tucker's character is so memorable, and this movie's so weird. It, it it's crazy because it's it's like Die Hard in space at times, and then it's you know he's a taxi driver when the movie begins. I mean, it's it kind of goes all over the place. Um, it's one of my favorite Bruce Willis performances. I think he's having a, it seems like he's having fun making this movie, and you don't get that in later Bruce Willis films, right? Like he seems so miserable in everything he's done in the last 10 years. Um, where in Fifth Element, he's la- like he's got some smiley, he gets the one-liners. Uh, not quite as silly as he was in Hudson Hawk, but definitely right there. Um, Gary Oldman's unrecognizable <laughs> in his <laughs> villain sure. performance. I mean, good God. Uh, you know, th- the whole thing is so wacky, and then the, the thing with the stones inside the opera singer's stomach, like... I don't understand how the heck that happened. Like, I don't understand. Is she an alien? Is she a machine? I don't get it. But I this movie has always worked for me. I've watched this so many times. Um, I think it was last year or so I got my daughter to watch it finally. And she's watched it like three times since she saw it. Because it's got that kind of power. I think this is a movie that you either fall into the cult of Fifth Element or you hate it. Or and, you don't. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think there's an in-between with this film. I think you either love it. Nope. Or you're just like, what? what is this movie? And for me, it's a love. I freaking love Fifth Element. And I, I can already tell, Mike, you were also... I knew going into this, you were also a big fan. So what do you got to say about Fifth Element? Yeah, this is his... Well, it's difficult because I do love The Professional. Um, but this is mm-hmm. basically like his pinnacle that I really wished Valerian had been. But me there, too. How 
could you follow this up? I mean, uh, the late Luke Perry in a very small bit part. Yep. Um, Tiny Lister casting Tiny Lister as, as the president. president. I know uh, that is it's just I, I, I some of it's inspired. And, and you know what? He pulls I it off though. I I buy yeah, his presidentiality. He, <laughs> he, he, can, he can you know you would think that he's not, but he can act. He's got he, he needs to he, he needs to be given something bigger. I mean that was uh, just uh, Brian Brian. I want to say Jones, the guy that's recruits. Um, Corbin Dallas into yes. the mission. He's one of those kind of glue actors. Brian James. Just James, thank you. I, I knew it was Brian, but I, and he's usually a heavier villain in, in, the, in the stuff he's usually in. And mm-hmm. yeah, this, this is the, uh, you know, I, sh- I surely would have thought he would have recruited uh, Mobius to do some of the design work. I don't think he did, but he did get John Paul Gaultier to get costume design. It, it works. There's nothing. There, this is. I, I remember this in the theater. It's one of those that I will stop and. Oh, we gotta watch at least to this part. Yeah. Uh, it's super green. Uh, at you. Uh, if I get a chance, and someone, if it makes me laugh, if someone gets that reference, not everybody does. Yeah. Um. It's yeah. I. Plenty of love for this movie. And I, I have, I, I don't name drop students, but I had last year. In class, I'm not going to say their last names, but I had a student named Corbin, and I had a student named Dallas, and I legit yes. sat them next to each other so I could say their names back to back because <laughs> I couldn't help but like I laughed again. Most of the room hadn't seen Fifth Element, but I'm dying like, oh my god, I have Corbin Dallas. Um, so yeah, uh, Fifth Element's my number two uh, cult movie. Um, let's go, uh, Corey. Have you didn't say anything? Uh, it sounds like you've seen this. Yeah, and and my dad loved this movie. But here's something that I don't often get to say, is my husband loves this movie. Oh. So we went and saw it, I think, last year they rescreened it. Mm. Or maybe it was the year before. So I think that it's definitely much better on the big screen. But um, it's it's fun. It's a spectacle. Like, it's a really gorgeous movie at times. Like, yeah. So a big screen is definitely if you get an opportunity for a big screen, and this is one I feel like you could totally have like the big screen elements, um, like where like the that cult element where like people come in costume because there's very recognizable costumes in this movie. I mean, I can you imagine all the Chris Tucker cosplay that that could be like just the hairstyle <laughs> alone. Um, I'm pretty sure Bruno Mars bases his entire hairstyle off of this character. Um, what happened to Bruno Mars? Yeah, he faded off a little, but um, you know he, he caught a grenade for you. Uh, and it, it's one of those things that like it, it could easily lend itself to like iconic little moments and little things um you know postcards like i think of that you know the the because of the cruise ship like that he corbin gets the mail um god this movie is just so great i actually i'm wanting to rewatch it after talking about it so uh let's move uh to Corey's number one cult movie Oh, God. Okay. Um, so this is no surprise, but I had to go with Rocky Horror Picture Show. Because... I was expecting it on somebody's list. Yes, I feel like it is the cult Movie? film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it, I mean, I... I don't know. I've liked this movie for a long time, but I've only been able to go to screenings the last couple years. Um, and we actually got to go to a play last year, too. And it's so fun sitting in our historical theater downtown and throwing rice and 
glitter and toilet paper. The only thing we can't do is squirt water guns. Um, but I just, like, find rice in my shoes and in my house and glitter for, like, a week and have no idea where it comes from. The cosplay is phenomenal because, guys, I live in Boise, Idaho, and it is really cold around, you know, around Halloween, and all of these men are dressed up as Dr. Frankenfurter, and they come up in these huge, like, trench coats and just shimmy them off, and they're, you know, wearing their corsets and their thigh highs and high heels, and they can walk in heels better than I ever could. It's just so much fun and everyone yelling at the screen and this was a box office flop too mm-hmm. um until it found i've yeah. never been to a midnight screening i'm too old for that but <laughs> no, hold on you got mad at mike yeah. earlier <laughs> i know i can't stay out that late guys but it's time um, to be in bed i i well i have not seen this still my daughter has and is now <gasps> mad at me for not having seen this because my daughter loved it um, oh. When did she see that? Uh, she watched. It. She hasn't been to a screening. Yet. We. I do own it. I just have it every oh. Halloween for the, since I've been doing BurkeReviews.com. I've planned on watching it during the 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 month, and it always ends up getting pushed away for something else that I have to do for Movie Club, or I have to do this, or this movie came out and I have to cover it. So like I I just keep pushing it back, and I feel like I need to watch it around Halloween. As that's when it all the rescreenings happen and everything, and I just have not made it. And every year I plan on going to one of the screenings, and I'm. I'm not really a social person, and it, it, it I get my anxiety kicks in, and it's like, nope, you're not going to that thing. There's going to be too many people. And I'm right. There is always the one that we have in it Lakeland. It always sells is, out. It sells out, and it's always super crowded and full of drunk people, which I'm not a fan of. Um, but even having not seen this, when I read the definition at the beginning of this podcast that we use as our foundation, this is the movie that I think of. It fits. It almost feels like that definition was written to describe how this movie's popularity came into existence. Um, and I do think it sets the bar for what cult movies aspire to be, where it's not just like you talk about it with your friends at work. You go see it and you you interact with it. You are a part of the experience now. And that is like to the true level of a cult, right, where you're not just an innocent bystander who knows about it. You are a part of it and you are, are living as much of the film as you can. And that uh, there's a there's another movie. I'm going to wait until uh, Mike goes in case by weird coincidence this happened to be Mike's number one movie. I don't think it will be. But there's another movie that's uh, much newer that has hit this level of cult f- fandom where uh, my dog is upset about something. Um, where uh, sorry that really threw me off. Where uh, people are going to rescreenings and bringing things to throw at the screen and stuff like that, which I'll get what? into. Yeah, yeah, I'll talk about it momentarily because I want. I okay. don't think it's Mike's number one, but I know Mike's seen it, so it could be. I'm gonna wait and see what happens. But Mike, you're a big fan of Rocky Horror Picture Show. Uh, yes, and I always have missed out on li- my friends all got to go. I never got to go, but I've at least seen it. And one day I'll go. I missed out this after talking it up because I know I had some students that wanted to go, and I just didn't get there. Hmm. I understand. I'm I'm guilty myself. One day I'll go. Maybe we should make it a plan to go together. Because if you're driving me, I'm more inclined to have to go. Where if it's just like <laughs> me taking myself, I'm probably going to back out every year. <laughs> but Wow. <laughs> I just know okay. me. I know me. Because, uh, again, it's the social thing. I get very anxious with like knowing I'm going into a really crowded room. Uh, that are going to be loud and like interactive. And I'm not. I am definitely an outsider because I've never seen it. Like It makes me feel oh, very uncomfortable. But- 
but they I just buy one because I don't have time to assemble all these things but they sell them at the, the... screenings that I've been to mm-hmm. and the play they sell virgin kits which have everything that you need and it even tells you when you're supposed to do stuff and what you're supposed to yell when so oh. even if it's your first time you can still interact there you and go. even if you interact two seconds later nobody cares because they're probably still yelling about it word well there you go mike we, so we should funny. try to do that this halloween um i know my daughter would want to go i don't know if the crowd's right for a uh, full family or not but um now we just have to be inside. yeah well we'll be, the, we'll be the bouncers what is your uh i think we we should go to your number one because i'm curious what it is i have i have a couple of ideas but you might throw a curveball at me uh yeah if you have this one i'll be very shocked to be honest this one feels as if i've picked it for a list before or at the very least have made mention of this in an honorable mention pay placement um it's very unlike anything you've ever seen or ever will likely see again and that is 1991's ricky o the story of ricky okay it's a i i remember the initial viewing of it i was probably in some sort of fever that was breaking and that's really the best way to experience this uh, and it's just left an indelible mark on my psyche its outrageousness is incomparable uh, how often do you see someone's cranium given a kung fu scanners treatment mm-hmm. and uh that's that was my first introduction to it actually i think that's why i sought it out and it just so happened some of my college work study students have had a vhs copy i don't know how they had this uh, I, I just gravitate to the same like-minded people. But if you remember the Daily Show during the Craig Kilborn era, his moment of Zen intro included a scene. That's that scene, that head-popping scene ah. from uh, Ricky O. It is a film that received a Category Three. I didn't realize what that was. I had to look up what's a Category Three. I, I mean, I'm used to hurricane categories, but in Hong Kong, apparently. That's uh, very close to our R rating, except it's no one under 18. I guess more close to our NC-17. And it got it for the old ultraviolence. It's instead of, I guess, the gratuitous sex that uh, Category 3s are given, typically. Uh, It's over the top. It's really niche. There's very... uh, uh, It's only really a word of mouth. If you look it up and start looking at reviews for it, I mean... I'm not even going into the meat grinder part or the entrails part or just uh, it's it's those of us that seek specifically quirky and odd experiences. This is what it's for. And there we are. Yep. I've I only saw one of your movies this week. Um, (laughs) What? Ricky O is not on your radar. No. Come on. What? uh, And Corey, I'm going to go ahead and assume you've not seen this either. Zero. No. (laughs) Um, although, I gotta say, because of the martial art element to it, I am, I'm kind of in, um, because I do like, uh, a good, crazy martial art film, um, and I'm looking at Letterboxd, and there's some, uh, a lot of people that I am, I am follow, or, or follow me back, or whatever, uh, have seen this, and the varying degrees of rating, some have, like, four or five stars, and then some, like, one star, um, so, yeah. <laughs> that's, I think, a good signifier of a cult film, that you have, like, a fan base, and then you have people who hate it, because it is so not for everybody. Um, but, I, what I was alluding to, Corey, the modern-day cult film that meets that definition that we read at the beginning is The Room, um, for very oh. different reasons. But mm-hmm. people take spoons, and they throw spoons at the screen, and um, 
it, it's, <laughs> it's become a modern day kind of uh, film like that where there, there's in LA at almost any time there could be a screening of the room happening because it's got that big of a, a cult following where it's the Citizen Kane of bad movies and people embrace that in a way that is I don't know if it's making fun of them or not and the disaster artist kind of looks at it in that light is are people watching it and laughing at Tommy Wiseau or are they laughing at what he made because they thought that was his intention and that's up for debate if you listen to him too because he's claimed both he's claimed that it was a serious work of art and he's claimed that he made it to be funny um but nonetheless uh that's not on Mike's list so I, I mentioned it there because I wanted to confirm it's not on my list either I know Mike and I we saw the room uh uh Oh man, what's the, the only uh, Rift Tracks? Rift Tracks. It's only way to watch it unless you're watching the Disaster Artist. Um, and then yeah, and then Disaster Artist does a good job of recreating several of the scenes um, and making jokes at some of the scenes. Um, and then uh, the the one I expected, Mike, which might be on your honorable mentions, but I also thought you might have left it off because you've talked about it so many times. Is Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth yes. dimension? And yep. Dune. Um, well, Dune. Yeah, really but I've, have... I've mentioned. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There, of course, that's a very divisive one. David Lynch. Although most, co- yeah, that. Yeah, uh, I've mentioned that, that those two get a lot of love, and to be, uh, Dune's not on my honorables, but Buckaroo Banzai is the Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai across the Eighth Dimension. Yep. To be accurate. Full title. Yeah. Well, my last movie, uh, my number one movie, uh, is a film that um, I remember the, when I saw it in. I probably saw it in '99 on as a rental. I only kind of liked it. And it was over uh, the following viewings that I I love it. And it's a movie that I constantly reference. And in fact, I, I wasn't sure for a second. And then I remembered our conversation the other day, Mike. You've definitely seen this movie because we were looking at their pop vinyls uh, multiple times as we were uh, around with our families. Um, and it's Office Space from 1999. Uh, oh, yeah. A movie that did not do well. And everyone thought it would because Mike Judge was famous for Beavis and Butthead at the time. Uh, which was a huge, huge success. And I think King of the Hill was already out, or it was about to be out. Like, I can't remember when King of the Hill actually came to life. Um, but, it, you know, uh, a, a play on a Beavis and Butthead character, Tom Anderson um, becomes Hank Hill, uh, for sure, even if it's not the exact same. It's definitively the same character. Um, and then, of course, Daria would also spawn from Beavis and Butthead. But uh Office Space came out, and it, it underwhelmed in the box office. You have Ron Livingston, Jennifer Aniston, um, David Herman, Ajay Nadu, uh, Diedrich Bader, who's probably, honestly, one of the more famous people in there, Stephen Root, Gary Cole. Um, Gary Cole is so great. Um, Richard Reitl, and uh, that's the main people who have... Oh, John C. McGinley. I forgot he's in there. Um, oh, God, he's so funny in there. How could I forget? Paul Wilson. Um, and uh, you get this quotable freaking movie i mean there are so many lines in this film that you can quote you get some iconic scenes you get a little bit of parody as they they smash a uh, a copier slash fax machine like a scene from boys in uh, boys in the hood um you know it is endlessly funny um i don't think when i saw it the first time i was expecting the the level of kind of humor and also i do think it's a movie that as an adult you can relate more to the uh apathy of work um that maybe you you can't feel as like a, a 19 year old or not oh, i'm sorry i was 17 um i i had a job but it was like mcdonald's it wasn't an office job it wasn't i didn't quite get all of the the humor um and then there's just there's so many like in jokes uh, you have a uh, familiar character milton was uh part of the mtv liquid television 
animated series, mm-hmm. which is also how Beavis and Butthead got started. Um, and so I was, I knew those cartoons. So he's like kind of, he's really inessential to most of the plot. He's more or less like a reference for the fans, and that's the Stephen Root character. But man, I I love this film. Um, I knew I made uh, a few friends at my current job because one day um, I loaned out my stapler. And it didn't come back to my room, and I didn't know where it went. So I had to send out an email to all of my coworkers, and I got to start my email with, um, I believe somebody took my stapler. And the people who responded back with laughter, knowing that I was you know, citing this film, became my very good friends, because I knew those people. We were a part of the same cult of Office Space, and it's a film I've owned on VHS, DVD, and Blu-ray, um, I, I love it. I will always go back to it. And this is one I could totally see doing like a cult type screening where people go, maybe you dress up as your favorite character. We play jump to conclusions. We have our staplers, you know, um, we, we, we ask people to come in on Sunday. Like there's so many things you could do. Um, I, I really want it to happen. I even played, there was a game on, on, it's an app where mm-hmm. you just click it. Like it's, it's, it's one of those really like mind numbing games, but man, I played it like really hard for like a good month. Um, and obviously Mike, I think you were playing it. A, a coworker of mine was also playing it. Um, it's a, it's just one of those things. If you're in it, you're in it. This movie just works for you. And I love it. So I am going to hop in. I first tried to watch this when I was like 14 or 15 <laughs> and totally just didn't get it. Yep. But as an adult and after working with like different types of people too, it just, it just, you just get it, I guess. Um, I, I call my, I wear pins and buttons and I call them flare. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I like, I, I like this movie so much. It, oh, yeah. Poor Milton. And I, obviously I'm a Friends fan too. So yeah, Jennifer Anderson is definitely a pull for me, but she's so funny in this movie and I, I don't think she gets enough she credit. She is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not usually a fan. Sorry guys vanilla but i'm yeah i'm not really a fan but i love her in this and i really do want to get all Uh, the pop vinyls but i feel like you should do it (laughs) why not mike what about you just i yeah this uh the uh, i don't think you did you mention the michael bolton stuff oh my god (gasps) i didn't get any i really didn't get that specific but the michael bolton jokes is one of my favorite things Oh man! <laughs> um, just uh, every once in a while, if we're stuck in traffic, I have to expect someone on a walker outpacing us to the side of the road. <sighs> the sausage snipper, which you know I could totally see being a thing, except you know obviously you know what the results are in a copy. This could be why my my aversion, because I really despise I despise printers and copiers and any of those sort. Yeah, and that was we're having worked in tech for a minimal amount of time it was not my favorite thing i'm like i just don't like these things yep i, I definitely associated with beating it down yeah i i agree completely what but oh, i did not realize that steven root plays bill dotrieve and buck strickland in king of the hill because i am currently watching king of the hill oh yeah yeah he's and i a... think i'm on season nine or ten talk about a character actor man that guy is in so many things i mean he's in get out with jordan peele um you know major character in get out and like the dude just shows up and stuff and he's always great and i love him in 
I'm so sure that he's in True Blood. I have not watched True Blood to answer that question, but it's very, again, I would not be surprised because he is, he is like a very hardworking character actor um, who, like, he's in uh, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, the James Franco one. He's the Pots and Pans man. Um, like, uh, he's he's great. But um, that's our top five, folks. Uh, yeah, we we're gonna get into our um, honorable mentions here. So Corey, do you have anything else you wanna to name drop? I had Office Space, Labyrinth, Clueless, and Evil Dead. Oh, very nice. Uh, Office Space. I love hearing that. We just saw a Clueless T-shirt at Five Below the other day, um, and I thought that was kind of cool. <laughs> um, yes. Evil Dead. I'm assuming you mean the Sam Raimi one. Yes. Yeah, that one's definitely one for me too. I I am a huge fan, and I made on I, a shoestring budget. And I wish I'd been a fan longer. I've only been a fan for maybe like nine years, um, but I am I am very dedicated to those movies. I love them, and will, uh, Bruce Campbell is amazing. So, good call on those, um, Mike. I had the thing, John Carpenter's yep. the yep. thing, mm-hmm. the Warriors, oh, the Adventures of Buckaroo, Bonsai Across the Dimension, Reanimator. And Repo Man. All of these, I feel, I have mentioned in the past, so they got demoted. I just bought Repo Man at the flea market a couple weeks ago. I haven't watched it yet, but I'm very much looking forward to watching that. I own that also and haven't watched it, and I feel like we should put it into one of our months of movie club. I wonder if we can fit that in somewhere, yeah, because that would be a cool I know we can. Um, Oh, Mm -hmm. got an idea. Is that one of our – we have a a month this year where we're doing – uh, Mint in Box. There are movies that we own but haven't watched. <laughs> so. I didn't know if you wanted me to drop the... Yeah, oh. <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. So, which, sadly, that could be like a whole year probably because I think we both own yeah. um, a bad. lot of movies uh, and we've not watched. But um, I also love the name of that one. But anyways, um, so uh, I, I, a lot of those you, you said, I also... Um, I was going to think uh, They Live for John Carpenter as well. Um, I. Yeah. Yep. I, the quotable line of uh, I came here to, to kick ass and chew bubblegum and I'm all out of <laughs> bubblegum um, so mine uh, I went Starship Troopers um, I, I love that movie when it came out even though it's so crazy but that's one of the things I love about it um, I have another Mike Judge film Idiocracy oh um, that yes, I, yes yeah that we're kind of living in now which is scary but yeah. uh, if you, it's so quotable and it's got such a big cast and at the time they really weren't because it's Maya Rudolph Luke Wilson who's he's done a lot but terry cruz is the president in that movie um so a little nod i think to like you know that fifth element because i think the presidents are both supposed to be kind of subversive in that way like they're not who you would expect uh tiny listener in the in the film he's not um he's not portrayed as ignorant like but when you think of like debo or zeus like the character that we know him as an actor the persona doesn't meet the presidential standards i was not familiar with terry cruz prior to idiocracy i don't think i think that was the first time i remember seeing him um i know he's in white white chicks i can't remember which i saw first i think i saw idiocracy first um but uh he is playing like literally a professional wrestler turned president like as if and i don't mean like jesse the body ventura who was like very he he wore the political guys this is like as if you took a guy from wwe with their persona and then made them president and that's kind of technically happened as well but idiocracy another mike judge from love um one that i think is a cult film in the making but hasn't been around long enough yet to qualify is role models um have either of you seen mm. role, role models i tried no. watching it i freaking adore this movie so much um 
and I just want to real quick, and this will be the, I won't talk about the other ones like this, but um, Paul Rudd, Sean William Scott are amazing chemistry together. They are so freaking funny. Um, you get, uh, oh, I always forget the kid's name. The kid that plays uh, McLovin in Superbad. Um, oh, what's that kid's name? It's not going to come to me. I, I normally know it, but um, Jane Lynch is in this film. Uh, Ken Marino, I think, is uh, the stepdad to that kid I, whose name I cannot think of. Elizabeth Banks. Um, there's just so many little like comedic moments. Everything about this movie makes me laugh. Uh, I I adore it. I've watched it so many times, and um, I re I just rewatched it like a, a couple weeks ago because I, I needed something in the background. Um, and I, I adore this film and this is one, if it's on, I'm going to watch it to the end. Um, and I, I feel like it, it didn't do well in theaters, but the more people who give it a chance, especially if you're into the, the dumb comedies, I think you will find it. It's not only, it's a little smarter than the dumb comedy, but there's definitely dumb comedy elements in it, but it cracks me up every single time I watch it. Uh, Corey, it sounds like you didn't like it, which is a little surprising because you are a Paul Rudd person like myself, but, um. Maybe he didn't give it a fair shake. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I just felt like it was... I don't know. Those kids. I See, I, I enjoyed the kids. Um, but anyways, uh, those that's our top five cult movies. Uh, we know this is a controversial kind of topic because there could be movies on our list that you're like, that's not a cult film or uh, that's a cult film. But either way, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to us on social media. I am at Burke Reviews. Corey? At Corey R Star, two R's on the end. And Mikey. At Server Mikey. And you can always, of course, hit us up at BurkeReviews.com where we post our reviews of recent films. And we just uh, released what's coming out and what's leaving Netflix and Amazon Prime. So check those out so you can keep up with your streaming uh, needs. Um, and that is it for our show. If you like what you hear, please rate and review us on iTunes. That five-star rating helps people find our podcast so that they, too, can enjoy our comedic nature and our jibes at one another. Um, and until next time, just remember, keep watching movies. Do you like movies? Do you like podcasts? Or are you just lonely? If the answer is yes, and even if it's not, then check out the What I Watch Tonight show's filmtastic selection of podcasts, covering the entire movieverse as something for everyone. So come check it out. More details at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk or from all good podcast providers. <laughs>